you can uh, turn with me. We are going to be reading from Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 today. Our family, when I was quite a bit younger, um, I forget exactly what the occasion was, but our family went to this big community uh, uh, conference worship center. Um, there was a big celebration in Edmonton where I grew up, where Christians and church members from all over the city were gathering together for this celebration. I, I, again, I don't remember exactly what the occasion was. It would have been around this time of the year. Um, and there were events that were planned for the adults, and they were up in, in some conference with some speaker, and uh, my parents were up there participating in that. And then there were events for us kids. And um, uh, we would gather in the basement of this, of this large church and we were singing songs and there were people that were teaching, telling us uh, Bible stories and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um, generally speaking, I was a good kid. Most times when I was in that kind of a setting, I, I, I would sit quietly, I would dutifully do the things that we were supposed to be doing, um, especially in church because I knew if I stepped out of line, that would get back to my parents um, and, and I didn't want that. Um, I don't know what happened. What it was about this particular event, maybe it was because there were just so many other kids that were there. Maybe it was because none of the adults were people that, that I thought knew my parents that were a regular part of our church. I, I don't remember exactly what the circumstance, why, uh, but that night I was a little jerk. I was talking, fooling around. I remember myself heckling the teacher as they were trying to tell the Bible story and I was making fun of them. Uh, I was not sitting still. I was talking with kids around me. This was completely out of character. But for some reason, I just dove in and, and lived, uh, sowed all of my wild oats in one evening <laughs> as a six or seven-year-old child. Um, this was... This was my opportunity uh, to do something wrong. Um, I felt bad, uh, but for some reason I just kept on going. What I didn't really think about until we started heading home was that my brothers and sisters were also there that night and had every opportunity to tell my parents what was going on and we got into the car and started driving home and they started spilling the beans right away and I just was crushed I felt awful I felt terrible of what I had done and what the consequences were that were going to come and hit me and that night um as we were going home as we were traveling home I just knew as soon as we got home that that It would happen. Uh, the the hens would come to roost. the The proverbial crap would hit the fan, and uh, and I was going to get 
disciplined. What I didn't realize was that my parents had arranged with a couple of others. My dad sang in a trio with another couple and my mom would play the piano for them. And they had arranged after this event to meet together to practice because they were going to be singing the next day in church. And um, so when we got home, it didn't. Nothing happened because they had to get ready for the penners to come and do the singing. And so I was so fast at getting ready for bed that night. <laughs> I got in my pajamas, did all the things and jumped into bed. I got under the covers and, and, and pretended to sleep as quickly as I could. All the while in my heart, this guilt of what I had done was building. The regret of what I had done was was increasing exponentially. And and there was just this weight that was on me. I woke up the next morning expecting that consequences would come, but it was Sunday. Dad was already off to church getting ready for uh, for the service. Mom was playing and she was getting ready to sing or or to play for the for the trio and so she was practicing and so I got up and got, did the regular Sunday morning uh, pract- uh, routine of, of eating some cereal, getting dressed, walked to church. All the while, just this crushing weight of guilt was getting heavier and heavier and the expectation of what would happen got worse and worse. Went through church was an absolute angel all through church. Got home after church and was ready for the next, for the hammer to fall. And mom and dad had invited somebody over for dinner after the service. And so, again, this guilt just continued to pile up on me and the expectation, but nothing was happening. And then it was... Uh, time for after the after they had left it was time for getting ready for the evening service and so there wasn't anything to happen and again after that service I got home as quick as I could jumped into bed and tried to go to sleep but this guilt was just weighing on me and and the next morning expecting something to happen and it just went on for days and days where things just came up where there was no opportunity for my parents to actually discipline me and through that whole time this weight of guilt continued to just gnaw away at my innards it was awful i just (laughs) wish they would have just given me the spanking right after we got home and be done with but this Uh, just waiting over and never knowing exactly when the consequences were going to happen were just intolerable. It was was such a painful experience. Guilt makes us do crazy things. It is a, a terrible thing to walk around with guilt hanging over us. You know what I'm talking about. When you have made a mistake, when you have done something wrong, when you have uh, 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 gone against somebody that you love, you've, you've gone behind their back, you've done something that, that they didn't, that you know is going to hurt them. We start lying. 
And the lies pile on top of more lies. And as much as we think that, that perhaps if we tell the right lie and, and we get set free, that guilt continues to weigh on us and hold us back. When, we're, when we are afflicted with guilt, we start lashing out at people. Even though we were the ones that, that made the mistake, we were the ones that, that we, we, we hurt those that we love. We find ourselves getting angry at them and, and, and lashing out defensively. Uh, we start uh, taking risks and doing things that, that are completely out of character because this guilt has just put so much pressure on our mind that you go about uh, making your life even more miserable. I, you can't believe the things that I have heard people, the way that they have tried to justify unthinkable things that they have done in order to somehow try and deal with that guilt that they're feeling in their lives. For those of us that are living with guilt, Resurrection Sunday has a message of incredible hope and freedom. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Here Paul writes, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. Together with Him, having forgiven all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them open to shame by triumphing over them in Him. What a great word picture. I love this, this image that Paul creates for us. It's as if there is this written record of all the things that we have ever done, all of the reasons that we have for feeling the guilt that weighs us down so much, all of the sins that we have ever committed in the past, all of the sins we ever will commit, all written down on this notice of debt. And God took all of those things. And as Jesus is lying there on the cross being prepared to be crucified, it's as if that sheet, that notice of debt is laid on Jesus' hands and the nails hold it to the cross. That it is canceled, it is dealt with, it has been paid for, it is finished by the work of Jesus on our behalf. All of that guilt, all of the things, the, the, the weight that we feel, that crushing uh, uh, weight of, of the shame, of the guilt, of the awareness of the things that we have done wrong, is gone. 
We are set free because what Jesus has done on our behalf. And any time that Satan would come and try and poke us there again to say, what about this in your life? You remember when you did that? I know what you were thinking in this moment. I saw you when you took that. All we have to do is point to that blood-stained piece of paper hanging on the cross. And say it's been paid for. It's been dealt with. It no longer has any power over me. It has been canceled. And even though at one point I was dead in my sin, God has now made me alive in His righteousness and in His power. It is an amazing picture to see our canceled debt nailed to the cross dealt with by what Jesus has done on our behalf. Let's go back to read Colossians 2, verses 6. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and, and empty deceit according to human traditions and according to the elemental spirits of the world, but not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in Him. Let me read that again. For in Him, the whole, the complete, the perfect fullness of deity dwells in Him bodily. And you have been filled with Him. You have been filled in Him who is the head and rule and authority. And in Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. So much imagery in this little section of Scripture to realize that in Christ, who was the full expression of of God. That to see Jesus was to see the Father. All of the moral perfection, all of the, the, the perfect righteousness, all of the perfect power, all of the, the, the perfect uh, wisdom and truth 
dwelled completely and perfectly in Christ. And now He lives in us. What's the implication? All of the, the perfection, all of the righteousness, all of the wisdom, the truth, and the power is available in us because Christ lives in us. And then to talk about circumcision. Not a great thing to talk about, but in this case, the imagery of it is so perfect. What it was symbolizing is that circumcision was a cutting away of that old sinful nature. That it has been cut away from us. That, that part of us, that, that, that part of me that in that moment just went crazy with all of the things that I wanted to do to making fun and, and, and thinking that I was having a good time. That has been cut away. All of the, the part of you that has rebelled against God throughout your life, that have sought after your own pleasures, your own interests, the, the, the pride that has held you from, from wanting to be under the control of anybody else. Christ has cut that sinful nature away and it is gone. It is no longer a part of us. But we have been made alive in Christ just as Christ is now alive and has risen from the tomb. So we now have the power to walk in the newness of life. No longer bound by those parts of us that used to get us into trouble time and time again that would pursue our own prideful needs to, see, to seek after our own greed. That has been dealt with and it is gone and we are now alive to live just like Christ. What an amazing promise that we have in Jesus Christ. And then there is that image of baptism. That in while we were dead in our sins, in our trespasses, in our, in our rebellion against God, we died with Christ. That we descend under the water, buried with Him. Just as He was buried underground, we are buried under the water. But then just as He was raised from the dead on the third day, we too are now raised to new life. The early church, those two events, the conversion, the, the, the decision and, and receiving of the gift of Christ into their life and baptism were were so closely connected. They happened almost simultaneously that, that to be able to talk about one was to talk about the other. And, and I think in many ways our modern pattern of baptizing months, weeks, years after we have been converted loses that connection of what baptism actually is all about. It is this, this outward demonstration of what Christ has already done within our hearts. 
There isn't any more learning that we have to have. There isn't any more life experience that we have to go through in order to follow Christ in obedience in baptism. It is, it is a, a, an immediate thing. It is an opportunity for us to show that we have been raised to new life. And that's the picture that, that, that Paul paints for us here. That in this hope that we have in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection that He had from the dead, that we can now walk in new life when we put our faith and trust in Him. says, therefore, just as you received Christ the Lord. How did you receive Christ the Lord? Through faith. It was to hear the truth that it was His death and resurrection that purchased your salvation. And by putting your faith in that and saying, that is is my only hope for being set free from this heart of sin. That that then led to your adoption as a son and a daughter of the Lord. Just as you received that salvation by faith, so walk in Him. Living every moment of every day by faith. Trusting that His sacrifice paid the penalty for the sin and mistakes that you make in your life. By walking in faith that that, that, that record, that notice of debt has been nailed to the cross, that it remains there to this day, that it is dealt with. There is nobody that can take it down and use it against us. It is finished. It is complete. Walking in the newness to know that, that that guilt that has been crushing you is a lie. And by faith, allowing it to remain on the cross and living life in the freedom of no guilt. Living life in the freedom of the righteousness of Christ that you are now clothed with. So what guilt has got its hooks in you? What are the things that have been weighing you down? Causing you to do those crazy things that we do when we are faced with guilt. This cross that has been turned into a symbol of life holds the penalty, holds the, the, the notice of that debt already for you. And Jesus is saying to you today, 
It's time to let that guilt go. To walk in the freedom and the newness of life. Whether you have been a follower of Christ for years and yet there are still some of those things that that continue, Satan continues to plague you with. Jesus wants you to know that by faith you can allow that guilt to remain dead on the cross. That it no longer has any power over you. If you are a brand new Christian, somebody that has just made a commitment to follow Christ, the message of this Resurrection Sunday is that that the guilt that you have been wrestling with is dealt with. There isn't anything more that you need to do. But by faith, trust that it has been nailed to that cross and you are set free to live and walk in life with Jesus Christ. And for those of you that have not yet made that decision, that have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have put your trust in what He has done for you, the message of this Resurrection Sunday is that all it takes is faith to trust that His death has paid it all. And you too can be set free from any guilt that holds you. Any guilt that is gnawing away within your soul. Jesus offers freedom and the newness of life to you today. As I was thinking about how we can live that out here today. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to make an outward demonstration of your act of faith, your trust in Christ, that He has taken away your guilt. I've got some pieces of paper here and I would invite you to take one and pass the rest along. If you have a load of guilt, take two or three or more if you need to. And what I would invite you to do, and we're going to pass around some some pens if you don't have one, just you can put up your hand and Murray's got some extra pens that he's going to pass around or you can share amongst those of you. I would invite you, spend some time listening to the Holy Spirit, asking Him, what are, what are the, the guilts that are holding me back, that I am clinging to, that I'm allowing uh, to continue to hold me in a place of death? And I would invite you to write those out. Whatever the guilt is that is holding you, the sins that you have done, the ways that you have Uh, that you have hurt others, the ways that you have taken advantage, the ways that you have allowed your thoughts to get into areas that you should not be thinking about. And I would invite you to write those things all out. And then, as Rob is playing through a song, I would invite you then to come and put it up on this cross by faith, trusting that it is paid for it is dealt with and you can symbolically put it on that cross and know that christ has set you free 
and to live and walk in the newness of life. Let's spend some time in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that He wants us to deal with here this morning. Lord, we thank You for the hope of Resurrection Sunday. That just as You died and were raised to new life, that You offer to all of us the opportunity to have that sinful nature cut off, to be crucified and, and dealt with once and for all, and that we too can be raised to new life. And yet, Lord, I know so often there are guilts, there are sins that I cling to. And I pray this morning that You would help us point out to us those those parts of our lives that, that still hold us back, that are still weighing us down. That we can, by faith, trust that Your sacrifice has paid for all of those. That the notice of that debt has been nailed to the cross and sits there still, no longer having any power over our lives. Speak to us now. Work in our hearts.